Hello everyone. So, welcome to episode 24 of Tetari with Walid and today I am delighted to have a friend of mine who will be the guest. Uh he's Dr. Elvin Ong. He's an assistant professor at NUS at the Political Science Department at NUS. Uh by the way, can you guys tell me if you are if you are able to hear me because my phone is is spoiled so i'm using my wife's phone so i'm not sure whether we have the setup uh, correct so those of you are here can can you just type if you can hear me uh irfan or anybody else masagos can you just type if you can hear me uh, because i'm using a different phone this time okay thank you thank you all right so we will be having uh dr elvin ong on and he will be writing he will be talking about uh opposition politics so we have uh hoyong here as well uh so this is a recently published book by ethos books voting in a time of change so it's an edited volume by professor kevin tan and professor terence lee from australia not the terence lee from nus so In this book, Elvin has Dr. Elvin Ong has a chapter with Professor Terence Lee from NUS on the PSP. By the way, do get this book. There are hello, hello guys. So there's a lot of uh, gems in this book. I've read it, and for instance, the the chapter on claims of gerrymandering, right? So this was by Professor Kevin Tan. delineation and discretion the drawing of electoral boundaries in singapore so that's the title of the chapter and then we have uh, a chapter by lok ho yong who's the author of a couple of books on opposition politics on, in singapore i would say he's the authority on opposition politics in singapore uh, he write he wrote this chapter entitled hard truths or hard choices GE 2020s economic issues in political and global context and Dr Elvin Ong together with Professor Terence Lee the title of their chapter is called The Progress Singapore Party in GE 2020 its history organization campaign and performance in comparative perspective okay so do get this book by Ethos and I think it's definitely worth a read and it's an easy read as well and The thing about edited volumes is you don't have to read it. Uh, it's not a monograph, right? So you you can choose which chapters you you want to read. Of course, it's you should read all of them, but maybe some chapters are more palatable or more interesting to you guys. And Elvin is one of the young up and coming professors. Hi, hello, Elvin. How hey, hey, hi, hi. Uh, yeah yeah so i was just talking you up so i was saying you're one oh, of the okay. young up and coming professors <laughs> in singapore whom i think and i hope will appear uh in the oh. next election you know during the tv analysis uh it's it's about totally uh, different <laughs> different voices so thank you so much for doing this elvin is in no new york right now because you, uh, you want to tell you want to tell them and uh, you want to introduce yourself a little Sure. Um, so I'm in New York City right now. I'm visiting family over here. Uh, but uh, in my professional life, I teach uh, political science at the National University of Singapore. I just joined recently. Uh, started on the tenure track as assistant professor on first January. Uh, so far, the classes I'm teaching in NUS is uh, political inquiry, which is the basic. uh research methodology class uh for uh pol science majors in NUS and i also teach malaysian politics so i kind of mm. split my time evenly between uh looking at malaysian politics and looking at singapore politics and also looking kind of at like southeast asian politics okay uh, great so, so a lot of yeah. people want to know the the resemblance between opposition politics in singapore and Malaysian opposition uh, politics mm. but we'll get to that we'll get to that sure. uh, so uh, so today we are here because we want to help publicize ethos book mm. uh, latest publication this is the third right in the trilogy of 
yes. uh, election books by by the two editors. Uh, so I think in the previous one, I had a chapter in as well, uh, but not the 2011 one. Uh, and I think there are, there's a lot in here, but your specialty is opposition Ooh. politics, right? Yes. And opposition co coalitions. That's what. That's your bread yes. and butter, right? Right. Yes. And so uh, let's start off. Uh, let's 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 discuss that. And hopefully today, I uh, because I think a lot of people want an early night because uh, they want to catch the final later. Uh, so ah yes, <laughs> it's happening in what? Uh, oh, two, three, five uh, hours. Oh, uh, three, five hours. three a.m. Right. Three a.m. Yeah. So. So and we'll try to, to keep it within <laughs> 60 minutes. Yeah, I know, I know. I was, I'm contemplating that. But, but we'll see how it goes. So maximum one hour, hopefully. So first of all, uh, PSP, Progress Singapore Party, right? So yeah. a lot of people think it's the second largest opposition party in Singapore. I, I disagree, yeah. but uh, I mean, you, uh, you can share your thoughts. But what is the grade that you would give uh, PSP now if you, were, if you were to assess them, right? They are their performance in parliament over the past year is a term paper, right? What is the grade that you would, you would give them? <laughs> so, I mean, if you buy the book and you read the chapter with, uh, that I quoted with uh, Terrence Lee of NUS, um, so we have a whole chapter on the Progress Singapore Party. And there we kind of gave it kind of like a, you know, um, I would say kind of... A, an average grade in terms of its its performance during the campaign, so that's, right? That's because B we or have, B plus. Uh, I would say like a solid B, or, okay. or maybe B minus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and there's a, a whole ton of reasons uh, why we said that, right? So you know, buy the book and um, get it, uh, 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 and read it for yourself. Uh, from now, after a year uh, from the election, again, I would say uh, kind of like bordering between, uh, uh, I would say the grade would be bordering between like a C plus or B minus. Whoa. Um, I don't want to yeah. be your student, man. You're such a harsh <laughs> Really? I mean, a, 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 I think a B minus would be kind of a solid average kind of thing. Um, and I say, you know, for a couple of reasons. So this overall grade can be broken down, I think, into three components, right? Parliamentary performance, internal organization, and what I kind of think to be mass communications, right? Uh, I think in terms of parliamentary performance, I would kind of give it a solid B. Uh, some people would say it has been lackluster, both Mundwai and Hazel have been kind of pinned back rather than being able to push the government on certain issues, right? Uh, but I think we have to understand the total context of parliament, right? There are only two NCMPs. They have limited research resources, you know, limited financial resources. Uh, in a sea of PAP MPs, where there are like 83 PAP MPs, you know, how effective do you think they can be, right? Uh, let's just say you are playing soccer with two people on one side and 83 people on the other side. Do you think the, the team with two people can score a goal, right? right? So basically, I think to have survived up till now, and to have somewhat forced a robust discussion on SICA and FTAs, I think that's admirable enough already. So it's like B, a solid B or B plus, right? In terms of overall context. Uh, in terms of internal organization, they have had a leadership change with the new CEC. Uh, and I think it's kind of like also a B, B minus, right? Uh, because uh, I, I look at it in terms of two ways. Number one is uh, the representation of women. And he has five women out of, 14 members in the CEC. So that is better than the Workers' Party. The Workers' Party has four out of 14. And that is better than the PAP, which is three out of 18 for women. Uh, in terms of ethnic minorities, the PSP has like three out of 14, which is not so great. Uh, Workers' Party has four out of 14 and the PAP has four out of 18. So actually in terms of like women and in terms of ethnic minorities, the PAP scores the worst. Yeah. Uh, so it is kind of good for women, for PSP, but poor for somewhat less poor for ethnic minorities. So I think on average, like B, B minus. And I think the last thing is mass communications, right? So by mass comm, I mean, you're trying to engage the public through your various channels like WhatsApp, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and all these kind of channels. Um, I think on this front, it's pretty uneven. So uh, Facebook and Instagram, it seems to be doing well with kind of like nice graphics to present its points across, um, sort of kind of following what the Workers' Party does. Uh, mm. But I'm a subscriber to their uh, WhatsApp, Telegram, and YouTube pages, right? So, and those are like 
pretty bad. So, okay. Uh, for for WhatsApp, like their last message in their public channel was on first April. Right. In Telegram, their last message was on second June, and uh, YouTube is a bit of a mess because you have parliamentary speeches and then you have clips of some forums. And then sometimes you have very weird music videos. Uh, so overall, I kind of give it like... A, do they have a TikTok channel? Uh, they do have a TikTok channel. But okay, so uh, here is where I'm showing my age. Right? I don't have uh, TikTok. So I can't even read the TikTok. Good on you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they do have TikTok. So, you know, you can give them some plus points for that. So okay, overall, okay. I would say like B minus B. Yeah. Okay, wow. Okay, okay. So there's a lot in, in what you said. So Elvin and I, we are, we are born in the same year. So we are about 28 this year, plus minus 20% discount. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned that there are three components, right? Parliamentary performance, the internal uh, composition, and you focus specifically on diversity, right? And, yes. And the third one would be mass communication. So, but surely all of them are not at uh, you do not judge them uh, on week equal weightage? You do not give them equal weightage? Or would you say it's 33, 33, 33.33 each? Or would you say it's 60%? I would say, I would say it's equal, equal oh, weightage. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. I okay, mean, you, so, I don't think you can... I think all three are important for like the continuity of the party and for its like image building, brand building uh, in the public's eyes. So the, the better they can do on, on, on all, all these three things, you know, the, uh, the better they can uh, pull up for the right. overall party. Right. All right. So I wanted to pick up on what you said, the, the first point especially, before I get to the second point. So the parliamentary performance, you know, a lot of people are critical of them and even myself, I'm a bit critical of some aspects and some policy proposals uh, of their, uh, in parliament. However, the fact that they got the PAP to come up on CISA and on free trade, and they have moved the conversation, right? For sure, right? Uh, I think that's a win for them. If people didn't know them before this week, I think, I think now many more people know them. And I don't mm -hmm. agree with some or much of the rhetoric uh, that's, that's been pushed by them. But I cannot deny that a lot of Singaporeans actually believe what they believe right right yeah okay yeah, so i think yeah. absolutely uh, uh i i agree with what you say in the sense that uh you you may not necessarily agree with them but they do have a particular stance and uh their particular stance is kind of resonating with a particular group of people in singapore right yeah. and i'm sure the pap recognizes that as well that's exactly. why they are taking that's effective right. steps exactly. to try to engage. exactly the fact that the pap responded means they they recognize that this is not a this is not a fringe narrative right yeah mm. all right so uh, so the second one i'm very wary of not that diversity is not important diversity is super important but i'm very wary of superficial diversity right where you have mm. You have gender diversity, you have ethnic diversity, but then there's no ideological diversity or there's no ideational diversity. So do you, do you think they have enough of that in the PSP? Well, that's a tough question. I, I, I would say I have actually have no idea. Um, because if in order to kind of have the sense of the answer to that question, I would have to like, you know, go and ask each every one right, of right, the CC, right, 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 to right. say like, you know, what's your position on this and position on that. Uh, I, I think the, um, I think so far what it seems is like the, the party seems to be fairly united on a particular strategy mm. on trying to push the PAP government on uh, this issue of foreign talent, this issue of uh, uh, PMETs, right? So I think uh, the, the party seems to be fairly united in that. There doesn't seem to be uh, kind of rhetoric on, the, on, on Facebook that, that say they disagree with their own party, right? So I, I think they seem to be fairly united on that. Uh, it, also, for example, you can see like, you can think about like, okay, the comparison, let's say with the Workers' Party. Is there diversity within the Workers' Party or is there more of a unity in, in ideology within the Workers' Party? There, I would say, 
Um, again, I'm not so sure, right? I have to go and poll every single right. person. Uh, but maybe from the the rhetoric of their speeches in parliament, we can maybe infer something about you know which uh, MP is more interested in certain issues rather than others. But right. again, that's a function of like maybe some portfolio they are assigned to talk more about rather than the kind of like the genuine belief. So with just two people speaking, Hazel and Manuai, I'm not so sure I can right uh, right exactly whether we can assess it. that. Okay, okay, fair enough. So. Uh, I think it's interesting you brought up uh, Workers' Party, right? Because, I mean, we can see that probably on a personal level, there is ideological diversity, right? On a personal level, like you would say, Raisa is not the same as Faisal or not the same as Leon, right? However, what matters is not their personal beliefs per se, right? What matters is the <coughs> image that is projected and right. they, run, they run a tight ship, right? At the Workers' Party, they're yeah. always careful not to not to show that there's any dissent and in that sense it's similar to uh to wp uh to pap but the p the psp has been less successful in that in terms of public falling out do you want to have any any do you want to mm. comment on that <laughs> well if you read um the book chapter, <laughs> chapter? Uh, yes. uh you will be you if you read between the lines and very carefully in certain sentences uh <laughs> you will be able to see read um before the elections uh there was already a cg reshuffling and right. that cc reshuffling uh was basically a kind of a reflection on how i think dr tan cheng bok was trying to like bring in certain people uh, uh, to replace other people, right? Um, but now with, you know, uh, the new CEC, again, you know, the newspapers, they made, uh, they, they want to sensationalize a certain kind right. of like uh, dissent within the ranks, right? So they right, say, right, oh, right, there's, right. there's dissent between here and there. I think dissent within the ranks uh, of any political party, it's kind of a very normal thing. Absolutely. Uh, and the, the Workers' Party has that too. Uh, and, you know, uh, who is to say that the PAP doesn't have that, right? Uh, the PAP could have that, that too. It's just that they project a certain image right. that uh, says that, oh, you know, all fines, all things is fine within the PAP. So right. I think we got to be a bit more careful discerning whether is that actual uh, fracturing within the ranks or is it normal just dissent? People can disagree within the party, right? right? And people can choose different leaders to... Uh, support within the party. So right. I think seeing uh, this kind of dissension and this kind of disagreement is, is a perfectly normal thing. Right. Um, and I don't think we should necessarily buy into uh, every you know, newspaper article trying to sensationalize this, right. this dissent. Right. Okay. Thank you. I, I, I absolutely agree. I think that was, that was a good uh, piece of analysis. And uh, if I could just add also PSP is very new. So it's very, very, com very normal, I guess for them to figure out some people because at the start obviously they'll just accept as many people mm. as possible right so there are a couple of comments here that i i would like to uh take uh one by prof prof yan chong your colleague my one of my friends mentors and he's saying i should do a tiktok performance but it, it, it ain't coming home so don't worry about that Iggy Pereira <laughs> says uh shouldn't the weightage for parliamentary performance be higher though because History has shown that NCMPs can make the jump to being a fully elected MP with good parliamentary performances. Do you want to weigh in on that? Well, so that, what's his name again? Iggy. Yeah, Iggy. Yeah. Yeah, Iggy. Yeah, so it could be for Iggy that uh, he weighs parliamentary performance more. And so from his personal point of view, he is very... Uh, he doesn't really care about, you know, what's the representation on the CEC. He doesn't really care about, you know, whether their WhatsApp channels or Telegram channels are working. And he, he fo solely focuses on parliamentary performance. And, you know, that could be how he evaluates the party. And that is perfectly legitimate, right? Um, the point about history showing that NCMP uh, can potentially jump to... Uh, to be a full-time member of parliament, like what's what's the record on that? <laughs> the record on that is what two data points? Like, is it it's uh, maybe three? Sylvia, Gerald, and Leon. Sylvia, Gerald, and Leon, and that is all through Algenit, right? Yeah, and yeah, so that's yeah, 
So you have uh, n equals to three. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And yeah. What kind right, of record is that, right? Fair enough. And also, so, there's there's all sorts of confounding variables, right? The party, party brand. Yeah, the party specific... must do good enough, exactly, such that right. uh, they become uh, the the best loser in the first place. And then right. the next election, they'll they'll cross over the fifty percent right. threshold, right? So yeah. you know there are, there are other variables in play. I think. Sure, and you also had other uh, people for whom it didn't work out, right? Like Steve Cha and. Lina Chow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, there's another. Yeah. Uh, so if you yeah. sorry, sorry if yeah. you if you take into account uh, Steve Chow and Lina Chow, uh, they were NCMPs too. So that is what uh, three success and two failures. Right, right. And right. so that's like what a fifty-fifty chance. Right. Yeah. And of course, you had others who didn't. Like Daniel yeah. Go is not a data point because he didn't contest. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for that. Thanks for that. Uh, Angie asks, is it fair to grade opposition parties on diversity when there are huge ob- obstacles to joining and perhaps people with more privilege would be more inclined to join opposition? So it's easier for people with more privilege? Oh. Easier for people with more privilege to join the opposition. The opposition because the costs are higher, right? It could, I think it could go both ways. Right. Um, in a sense, if you're a very successful businessman and you're very innocent, then or businesswoman, and you're very privileged, and then you join the opposition party, uh, there's a high cost as well. Right? That, yeah, uh, exactly. That you expose your your company to, you know, mm. um, uh, yeah. the some kind of political affiliation, right? And right. then you might lose business as a result. Right. So. Uh, from that point of view, privilege is not really very good if you get into the opposition. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, so there there is a cost no matter what people people think that. Yeah. Yeah. You know when when people say there's nothing to lose, right? I mean everybody yeah. has something to lose. It's just how much, right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, yeah. 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 Can I, can uh, and so I I was also thinking. Well, okay, fine. Some people may be privileged. Some. Uh, in the position in life to get enter to opposition party to get to the CC, but the work that is done that is needed to be done uh, of like I don't know knocking on doors, in volunteering time and effort and resources to uh, do certain outreach for the party. That's all really very tough, uh, uh, tough job to do. Um, maybe someone with less resources uh, is less able to contribute. Right, right. Uh, okay. And, um, someone with more resources may be more able to contribute. And maybe that's how kind of like the, the privilege plays in. Um, but ultimately, if, you, if someone with, with better resources uh, goes in, exposes themselves, they, they also have a lot to lose. Potentially right. lose. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for that. So there are a couple of comments on uh, the foreign workers and populism and xenophobia. I'll get to that in the next question. Uh, mm. But before that, I would like to take uh, Ho Yong's question. And he, mm. uh, he asked, is it fair to, divide, uh, to make this division that the PSP is a party of ex-establishment figures, whereas the WP is a party of younger figures tackling more liberal issues like climate change and racial justice? Hmm. Um, well, I think political parties will try to do and say things what, whatever that will benefit them politically, right? So if the Workers' Party believes that there's a significant segment of the population that is interested in issues like climate change, then they will think actively of ways to craft policies, right? To, to so speak opposition to this, parties this are more, they are more reactionary to public sentiment, you think, than, than the PAP perhaps? Because the PAP both tries to shape and follow public sentiment, right? Do you think, based on what you just said, the opposition has less liberty to shape and they have to follow public opinion more? To some extent, the, the opposition is definitely constrained by um, what they perceive to be uh, what the public can accept. Right? Because if they stray too uh, extreme uh, on a particular issue, right? For, let's say if they go to extremist green and they say we should ban off 
for use of fossil fuels in Singapore, you know, to next year, right? Mm. Um, then you know uh, the PAP can potentially just pounce on that and say, you know, right. that's that's too idealistic and right. that's not what people want, all that sort of thing. So I, to to some extent, um, the opposition parties are definitely constrained, uh, but and and so probably I agree with you like, to to say that they they you would call it reactionary to, to the people's sentiments on the ground. Uh, I would say they are, they are just doing what is politically strateg- strategically advantageous for them. Right. right? Uh, yeah. Whereas PAP in the government, well, they, they, they set the narrative, right? right? So they can react to the narrative, they can uh, change the narrative, they can influence the narrative because right. they're, they're so dominant. Right. So, um, there, so I think people need to be a little bit more attuned to like the, 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 the strategic realities of like what can be controlled and what can't be controlled and right. uh, which party is more vulnerable to, to attacks. All right. Okay. So this is a very political science session. <laughs> <laughs> so and we are getting a lot of good questions as well. So I, I think this is the last one I'm going to take for now and then we'll move on to the populism question. So, how do you think ideological differences within a party can or should be managed? This is by Clat Collective. Uh, given that there's a very fine balance between having a united public front versus sufficient internal discourse, that's an excellent question, right? Because all parties mm-hmm. need to balance this, right? You don't want to appear disunited. At the same time, you do not want to appear uh, as if, you do not want to uh, show people as if there's group thing within <clears throat> the party. So how do you balance Yeah. That? Yeah. <sighs> Uh, I've never run a political party before, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I well, you study assume... political parties, so you can hazard a guess. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's move across the causeway to Malaysia, right? If you allow too much dissent to be demonstrated in public, right? Uh, if you allow too much ideological disunity to be reflect to be to be leaked into public. Um, that can get has significantly puncture the party branding and punk, and uh, create actually foster more dissent, right? And uh, diminish the party standing. So if you look at uh, Party Kadila Rakia, if you look at the Democratic Action Party DAP, there is particular significant dissent within their ranks, right? And that has not helped them uh, right. over the years. So and they oftentimes have to come out to publicly say denounce their own party member. Right. Uh, so I think if an opposition, if a leader of an opposition party was kind of a little bit more astute, uh, they would say, okay, if you have dissent, let's talk behind closed doors. But you know, in in the public, we have to uh, put up a united front. So I think as members of the public, when we look at what read the newspapers. Um, uh, and try to evaluate the opposition parties or evaluate all political parties, we shouldn't necessarily assume that uh, parties are monolithic, right? So we shouldn't have assume that, oh, the PAP just thinks this way. Right. Um, uh, there could be significant dissent within the PAP itself, but we don't know. Right. Uh, and I think the same goes for all the other opposition parties. I think discipline... Um, it, it discipline is a, is a more kind of a politically strategically advantage uh, quality which they want to show to the public. If there is dissent, um, you know, Pritam Singh can always come out and say, oh, the party members uh, have many views on this, right. and, uh, but we have decided as a party we will have this particular stance. Right. So okay. you can just, you know, clarify it in one sentence. Okay. Okay, thanks. So uh, there, there are a couple of questions and that was going to be my next question uh, also by We The Loving Critics and Shut Shooter. So basically, the, the trope or the claim that PSP is becoming more populist and more xenophobic, uh, how do you assess that? So I would say I don't think the PSP has become more populist or xenophobic. I would say it's general public rhetoric uh, and uh, public rhetoric of its concerns have always been somewhat uh, populist, 
right? Mm. I wouldn't say it has gone higher over time. I would say it has kind right. of maintained that level. Uh, their criticism of like policies like Sika has always been there. I was at the launch of their part, political party held at the Swiss Hotel Merchant Court in August 2019. And at, at the launch, there was a Q&A session where they kind of talk a little bit about policy. And when they talk about policy, it was Sika. Mm. <laughs> at the very start of their at the political party, it was Sika already. Right. So it is, and Sika has been, uh, has a long-standing issue uh, going on since way before the pandemic. And the, this right. issue about foreign talent, this issue about right. PMETs, right? And even so before, the, before PSP, right? Before the existence before of PSP. Before PSP, yeah. right? right? You already have uh, the Singaporean's first party. Right, right. right. By Dr. Tanji uh, Se. So, Tanji you know, yeah. He, the, to some extent, you could say, you know, PSP is just co-opting supporters, right? So it's not a Manwai thing, right? It is a party platform. Nobody can say that this is Long mm-hmm. Manwai doing it on his own and PSP should, no. should sack him. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, no, and I, I, was... I also want to make another point in the sense that I would be very careful about the use of the word xenophobic. Right. 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 Um, and on this, I actually really like uh, Pritam Singh's uh, most recent speech that he gave to the Singapore International Chamber of Commerce. So if you guys are not familiar with the speech, uh, you can go on to the leader of the opposition website. Uh, he has put up the speech. I think whoever wrote the speech for him or him writing the speech for himself is, is, pretty, is pretty good. And he gave, at that speech, he made a clear distinction to say, okay, xenophobia must be rejected but sentiments of nativism can be understood. And um, these sentiments of, sen- sentiments of nativism can, are legitimate and can be addressed through progressive legislation, which is right. what the PAP has agreed as well. Right, right. right. And nativism... Perhaps PSP's yeah. biggest achievement, right? Pushing the PAP yeah. to, be, to say that outright, right? Yeah, and nativism, Pritam defines as, I quote, the desire of governments and people to protect the interests of native-born and established residents in preference to those of foreigners, right? And nativism, while largely seen in pejorative terms in global cities and globalization, is an entirely predictable emotion and goes to the core of the meaning of citizenship and the relationship between citizens and the state, right? People naturally act in their self-interest and prefer pop policies that promote uh, the community's self-interest. Right. Uh, so I, I think this is kind of a perfectly understandable sentiment. And to a large extent, most uh, countries around the world, they have we'll policies yeah. that privilege their of own course. citizens. Of course. Yeah, I, yeah. I did my postdoc uh, in Canada. And so uh, recently I was looking up Canada's policy about like, allowing people into the country. And Canada is only allowing fully vaccinated citizens to go back without quarantine. Uh, they are not allowing uh, f- even fully vaccinated foreigners to go in. Right? Uh, is that a native, nativist right. policy? Yeah, it is right. a nativist policy because every country should have policies that right. look out for their own citizens. Right? So right. If, you know, if you say Singapore government is nativist, you can say Canada, Canada's government is nativist, American government is nativist. Oh, right, right. A lot of governments in the world are nativist. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every country in the world, right, would, ha- would, ha- would differentiate, to some extent at least, between, uh, between citizens and non-citizens, right? So, uh, I, I completely agree with you. I think, uh, unfortunately, some, if not a lot, of the criticism surrounding Sika does veer or venture into the xenophobic zone. Yeah. But not all. Just because somebody criticizes Sika doesn't mean that that person is automatically xenophobic, right? We must look at the substance of the criticism. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so thanks for that. I think that, that is uh, quite clear. So I noticed you were quite careful to say that, or in your answers, you were quite careful to ensure that you didn't say that the PSP is being xenophobic, right? So you don't yeah. think that they are they have ventured into that yet. So they have repeatedly come out to put statements, I could be wrong, you can check their Facebook page, right? To say that they are not against free trade agreements. Yes, they did. They are not not against foreign workers. But what they are concerned about is the balance. 
right. right? Okay. Uh, and whether this balance that uh, PAT has adopted disadvantages uh, Singaporean workers. Right. And so I think it's quite legitimate to argue about this balance. Right. And yeah. so um, it's, it's, it's a policy criticism. Right. Okay. okay and and we can that. definitely have policy disagreement in Singapore. Okay. Thanks. So now the next question, can PSP survive... <coughs> Without Dr. Tan Chengbok, assuming he runs in the next presidential election, even if, that, if, if that's even possible, uh, or let's say he retires from politics, yeah. can the PSP survive? Uh, the problem is like political scientists, social scientists, we are not very good at predicting the future. <laughs> but I'm forcing you to. Yeah. So <laughs> I can true. only make we an educated yeah. guess. I can only make an educated <laughs> guess, right? Right. Um, I think it will depend on uh, two, two significant things. The, the first one is whether they can make a breakthrough in the next general election by winning a GRC first. If they can win a GRC, then there is a higher likelihood that they will be able to survive if, uh, into future election cycles if Dr. Tan steps down, right? Um, if they cannot win a GRC, then it is very difficult to build a party brand, to build a party machinery. Because winning a GRC means you are in charge of a particular geographical right. area, you're in charge of a town council, you have to bring, it kind of forces you to build an organization. Right. Right. It right. forces you to uh, bring in volunteers, to formalize your volunteers, to set up party procedures and structures. If they, if they don't uh, win a GRC, then it's like, you know, okay, same goes the next right. year, same goes the next year. Yeah? Right. Um, the second thing about whether they can so-called survive in a post, uh, if Dr. Tan steps down, is whether they can attract more outstanding members to join them. Um, particularly, maybe outstanding members from the PAP, right? Oh, that's, so you're looking at more defectors. You think that's uh, not necessarily so-called defectors, lah? Just people change party affiliation, lah. Let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> a, defection a, is like a you know. synonym for the <laughs> no, So do you think? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's interesting that that you. Uh, why? Why specifically do you think? Is it the PSP is made to be that the party of defectors or okay if you want to use the word defectors let's yeah, use no. the word defectors okay. <laughs> from from the start the PSP has tried to like uh although it's kind of lessened now has tried to say that we were the PAP of the past right uh, now right, the, right. the today's PAP has gone out of touch now right, whether right, that is right. true or true or not we, it's a different we method, yeah. have our we have our own evaluation <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, but yeah. The, the fact that is they brand themselves a certain way and some people may actually feel that that resonates with them. And so right. we, uh, it wouldn't be surprising if certain PAP members uh, feel that, you know, uh, I really don't agree with some of the policies of the PAP and therefore I might want to help the PSP instead. Right. Right. And or if ordinary members of Singaporeans, ordinary Singaporeans out there say, well, I could potentially volunteer my time. I could volunteer for either uh, the Workers' Party or the PSP or the PAP, right? And, you know, I kind of don't really feel the thing with PAP. So maybe I want to try out volunteering my time with Workers' Party or the PSP. Uh, uh, I stay in Jurong, so P Workers' Party too far away. So maybe right. I just invest my time in PSP, right? So yeah. I do think that uh, they could potentially attract more grassroots members. Uh, but maybe, you know, they could also attract potential, like more candidate level kind of uh, um, uh, stars, right? right? If you see how the Workers' Party kind of um, uh, built itself up over time, uh, they also attracted stars, to right. join them, right? Like, you know, Chen Shao Mao, uh, and to some extent, Daniel as well, and Jameis. Right? So mm -hmm. if, so stars can be 
I, I hate to put it this way, but let's just call them stars. Huh? The, the, um, stars can be advantages and disadvantages at the same time. Mm. Uh, but the, the way the advantages is that, you know, they bring a lot of visibility to your party. Right. Uh, and, and one way to move on from uh, Dr. Tan would be to have another star. Lah. Right, right, right. But then you are transferring the problem somewhat, unless you have a, a few stars. Yeah, that's, that's right. So to some extent, uh, workers' party started with one or two stars, right? right. Then the other stars gradually grow right, over right. time. And yeah. then you have a more even dispersion of stars, right. Okay. right? So, PSP is still at the like growing stage, right? Okay, okay. So, I think I think that's that's a fair piece of analysis, and uh, I just wanted to say why why on earth did you mention star without mentioning Nicole Sia? I mean, I don't understand. But anyway. <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, that that's the good thing about Workers Party, right? In yeah, the sense absolutely. that you know they have a lot of stars, lah. Absolutely. So, you know, so it's not dependent right. on anybody. Marisa is one herself. Jameis is right. one herself. Right, right. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. The yeah. So yeah. As 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 much as much as I am a fan of Nicole, if she left, probably Workers Party would in all likelihood Workers Party would survive, right? As in, and that's the case for Jameis and even Pritam, I would say, right? Uh, but you cannot say the same. As, although for Pritam, the impact would be more devastating. But you probably right. cannot say the same for PSP at this point in time. Right. Okay. Mm. So uh, now this onto your bread and butter because you've done a lot of work on opposition alliances throughout the world, right? So, mm. and the question we always hear, and one of the things that the media was harping on as well, why is it that the opposition parties didn't coalesce? Why didn't they form a coalition? And a lot of Singaporeans mm. also ask, right? Why don't the opposition parties just come together? And you are the perfect person to answer mm. that question. So why don't they come together? So now would be the perfect time to uh, publicize the book again to say in the book chapter that I wrote with Terence Lee, we do uh, on the Progress Singapore Party, we do have a short section on why uh, kind of explaining and half the explaining, half describing uh, the absence of forming an opposition alliance in Singapore. Uh, to, but to be more direct to answer your question, I think the simple answer is that there's just no benefit from a party leader's point of view to form an alliance. Right? What do you hope to achieve? That's the first question that party leaders will ask themselves is, what do you hope to achieve if you form an alliance? To topple the do, you PAP, want, right? do you want to topple the PAP? Or do you want to win one or two more GRCs? Mm. If um, if you want to win one or two more GRCs, you can do that without an alliance. Right. 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 And it's why would the Workers' Party want to form an alliance with, say, the SDP when there's nothing in it for them? Right. Yeah. So it's like, why would you want to work with someone else on the project work when you can do it, secure an right. A on the project yourself? <laughs> if you think that person uh, doesn't bring anything that you can table. benefit from. Yeah. And actually, that person may be a drag on you, you know. You, you want right. to work with that exactly. person on the project. <laughs> then, you know, that person like, doesn't put in any effort or that person quarrels with you or the person tries to steal, steal your limelight and then right. you, you get less credit for the project. Right. So, and so, you, you, you're not even sure if the, the project will, will, have, uh, will secure an A or not, right? Right. So, 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 so let's the, just the listen their benefits and costs. Right, right. So the biggest impediment to the opposition alliance is basically workers' party, right? Because they don't need the other parties. Is that yeah, the they don't need that, or they perceive that they don't need. The ah, other right. Parties. They perceive, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for the rest of the opposition parties, right, uh, their goals are also a little bit more moderate. But their goal is not to topple the PAP, right? Their goal is to win. One GRC, one SMC, two GRCs, two SMCs, perhaps. And in evaluation of the costs and benefits, uh, they evaluate, this is a hypothesis, lah, huh? they evaluate that, well, if I were to, let's say SDP wants to work with the PSP, right? And our PSP wants to work with the SDP. They evaluate that, well, 
I could potentially get win a GRC with SDB's help, but there's also a lot of cost involved, right? I have to like tie myself to PS, uh, SDP's party brand. I have to maybe form a common policy with them. Do I actually even agree with SDP's policies? Actually, I don't even know my policies. <laughs> what would, what, uh, how, would, how would I want to like merge with like SDP's policies, right? Uh, do I want to coordinate with them on so like campaigning organization uh, in terms of like lorries la, or like posters, la, that sort of thing? All those uh, costs, coordination costs that you have to deal with, right? right? And so is it worth it? Like if you think a lot about the costs and who's going to listen to each other, is, is Tan Cheng Bok going to say, okay, I, uh, I'm going to listen to what Chi Sun Zhuan says? Or is Chi right. Sun Zhuan going to say, I'm going to listen to right. what Tan Cheng Bok says? Right, right, right. Right. Uh, if you think of all the costs involved and what are the potential benefits, so, uh, yeah, probably uh, let's just do it, this ourselves. All right. So, so using the Malaysian experience, right? Because, you know, you mentioned the, the cost that Tan Cheng Bok would have to consider if he were to ally with, uh, align with uh, Dr. Chi, right? Uh, but the cost for Mahade would be much higher, right? in considering that he has to align with Anwar and vice versa, right? Yet, yet they did it. So, is it fair to say that if there's an actual possibility of toppling the PAP, or at least if that's the perception of the parties, then you would see an alliance because the benefit far outweighs the cost. Is yeah, so in Malaysia, uh, that is what we mostly observe, right? The cost of cooperation is very high. Uh, let's say the Democratic Action Party is a more secularist party and Kas right. is a more Islamic party. Right. For them to come together to try to find some common ideological ground is very right. costly. Right. right? Um, and you mentioned Mahathir working with Anwar. For them to work together, it's very costly. Right. But on the flip side, the potential benefit of the forming an alliance is very high. Right. Um, the DAP can benefit from having more Malay Muslim votes. The PAS can benefit from more uh, non-Malay Muslim votes. Right. And so they can, they can, um, they can, what we say, collect, pool the votes together, right? Right. Um, and the BN in 1999, in 2013, in 2018, the BN was actually pretty vulnerable from the perspective of that time. Right. And so these parties thought that, hey, wait a minute, uh, there's a, we, a lot of people really don't like the incumbent party. Right. Uh, people are protesting on the streets. Pe uh, they, are, they are being arrested. The, the, there are water cannons uh, on the streets, uh, all that sort of thing. And people are really expressing their dissent. And we really think that, you know, the, the BN is ready to fall. And that's why, you know, the, the, the benefits are very high right. uh, as compared to the cost. Right, right. Okay. Uh, in Singapore, like, are there water cannons on the streets? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, so are there people... are no signals at all that, that the PAP is in actual danger of losing power, which is why... Yeah, the, right. yeah there's, 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 no, there's no danger of the PAP losing, right. in, at least in the near term. Now. Right, okay. Okay, thank you for that. So I think there's a there, there's a healthy discussion here between NG and Prof Chong and Alpha Spectre and about mm. avoiding three cornered fights. And because I've attended your talks and I am mm. aware of the book, the other book that you're gonna publish, your mm. your own book, which I want mm. to uh, I want you to talk about as well, as in just uh, just publicize it for a while. So can you just briefly explain to us the difference between a coalition and opposition co coordination? Yeah, so a coalition is when uh, it contains two things. Um, number one, they avoid, con opposition parties avoid contesting with each other in every single constituency. They avoid three kind of facts. And the second thing is they coordinate with each other on, say, policy on uh, organization. Uh, they have a common manifesto, common logo, common color, common uh, uh, organ internal organization. Uh, um, so they, they, uh, they have uh, same posters, uh, design and everything. Uh, in Singapore, we have the first one, the avoiding three corner fights, but we don't have the second one. Right? Um, and the, f uh, the second one is like 
to put it loosely, is coordination of campaign. Whereas uh, the first one is coordination on uh, where you contest. Right. And in Singapore, we have coordination of three cornered fights uh, because that is a very uh, logical, rational thing to do. Because you know that if you go into a three cornered fight, that the opposition will surely lose. Right? Right. At least if you coordinate with each other, um, there is some cause you have to withdraw from certain right. areas. Right? And other parties will have to withdraw from other areas. But you have the added, added benefit of pooling all the opposition votes and potentially just you know, in- increasing and maximizing your chances of winning. Right. Because if you go into a three-corner fight, there's a general sense, the, the general perception is that, oh, you'll surely uh, fail because you split the opposition votes. Right. right and right. that is what we see uh, that has happened in the past. Right. So parties before elections, when they come together to so-called horse trade, to so-called uh, coordinate, to avoid contesting with each other, is a very rational, logical thing to do. And many other political parties around the world, uh, especially opposition parties, they do that to, right. to avoid contesting with each other. Right. So, so it's fair to say that the absence of a coalition in Singapore, an opposition coalition, but the presence of opposition coordination shows that the parties are behaving completely rationally, right? It's not about, as people like to say, it's about egos and all of that. I mean, surely Chi Soon John and Tan Cheng Bao don't have bigger egos than Mahathir and Anwar, right? <laughs> so, I would say egos play into the cost. Ah, right, right, right. So, that's part of the cost. When, right. So, yeah, if the benefit so if, is enough, they yeah. can swallow the ego. Yeah. Actually, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they can swallow the swallow the ego. So right, right. that is, and I I don't want to totally sell this as a so called rational kind of game theory right, right. kind of thing. It is a lot is about perception, right? And uh, uh, to some extent, whether this perception is certain or not certain, right? Right. Because you can't say with hundred percent certainty. Oh, if we you know. Uh, form an alliance, we will definitely topple Bryce right. and National, right? It is they perceive that if we form an alliance, then we have a higher likelihood of uh, toppling Bryce and National. Right, okay. And Thank so the, the perception you have to um, ask uh, the opposition party leaders at a time, or you can have to infer from the speeches that they make or infer from some third party sources, right? This is like bringing together evidence to try to triangulate what is their perception at that time. Right, okay, okay. And perceptions can change, you know? Right, yeah, when when conditions change, perceptions change, right? So, so Prof. Yuan Chong said that the opposite, so there are a couple of comments here. Uh, can it be that the alliances are more tenable in Malaysia because of the bigger numbers? I don't see why that would be the case. Do you, do you see? Bigger it? numbers of what? As in Singapore seats are much fewer, therefore it's harder for opposition coalition to form. Well, the opposition parties in Malaysia are also bigger so, than the opposition parties in Singapore. So, I don't, so if I we don't talk about just coordinating on the no three cornered fights, right? It's actually much easier to coordinate in Singapore because you only have like what 20, 30, 40 districts to coordinate. In Malaysia, you have 222 districts to coordinate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the difficulty is not there. The difficulty is at the level of uh, campaign coordination. Whether party leaders, they want to listen to each other in terms of policy. They want to listen to each other in terms of organization. They want to listen to each other in terms of, you know, who gets to speak first. You can imagine right. like an alliance with a press conference. Right? Uh, in Malaysia, you know Mahathir speaks first, then Anwar. <laughs> right? And then Lim, uh, Lim Guan Eng, right? And then yeah. Mat Sabu. Right? In Singapore, you have a press conference, an alliance, who speaks first? Right. Like, you know, they, they'll be grabbing the mics with each other. Right, right, right. right. Maybe, okay, Tan Cheng Bok says... Uh, Tan Cheng Bok would first. go first, right? Pres- presumably. Then but after that, 
like some other lame teen will say he gets to speak first <laughs> or like will you know um, be at the table <laughs> will he be as it and i'm not i'm not making fun of him right this is a serious question beyond psp yeah, and sdp beyond psp and sdp right would would they even consider an alliance with people's voice and sda and would would dr tan actually consider that yeah so that is a question that you have to ask dr tan himself lah Right? right and i'm sure he has a lot of consideration of the cost in mind right. when he thinks about whether he wants to work with all these other people right. right he can have control of his own party and determine how the party puts out campaign messages or he has to coordinate with you know uh mr tanji say mr chisundran on campaign coordination putting what message Does he really want to do that, or does he yeah. want like more control of his party? Yeah. So yeah. my guess, right? I I have no hundred percent certainty, but my guess would be that you know he would rather more control of his own party in the right, first place, right. unless so, some dynamic changes, lah. Okay, so there's a discussion here between uh, Prof Chong and uh, Ho Yong about the Pongol East by election, right? Where there was mm. a, actually four cornered fight, right? It wasn't a three cornered fight, uh, mm. and yet the opposition won. Mm-hmm. What I would say is, uh, the context is that that happened after the presidential election, where there mm-hmm. was a four-cornered fight, which actually mm-hmm. changed the outcome dramatically. And I think there was learning involved. You know the psychological effect of Duverger's law, right? So there was yeah, learning, learning involved on the on uh, on the part of voters, right? Such that voters realized that they are not going to go for their number one preference. They are going to go for The the opposition that is most likely to win. So therefore, moving yeah. forward, even if there were three cornered fights, if my hypothesis is correct, I don't think it would drastically affect the the outcomes. What what do you think? So if there were three cornered fights, the Workers' Party, uh, especially in the East, lah, the yeah. Workers' Party would definitely say, you know, I'm going They to contest care. in these areas. And I don't care which opposition party is going to going right. to contest that. I know right. I'm going to draw at least thirty thirty five percent of the votes, and the opposition the other opposition party can lose that deposit. Right. So if you're the other opposition party, do you really want to force the three cornered fight? Right, right, right. Uh, so, so there is so in from the Pongo East by election, we can really see that the Singapore electorate is learning that well, if there were more people trying. Interested in voting for the opposition, they will vote for what they perceive again to be the stronger opposition. Right, right. And the strongest right. opposition perceived right now is the Workers Party. Right. Uh, and so both, to... uh, both Kenneth Jayaratnam and I forgot who's the other guy, Desmond. Yeah, Desmond. Desmond. Desmond they both lost Lip. their yeah. deposits, right? Yeah, they got they got embarrassing a percentage of the votes, right? One point two, zero point seven, or something it was was yeah. horrible. So. Uh, so just to take that uh, one step further, right? so we shouldn't be too worried about the number of parties, right? Because voters will sort them out, right? So it's okay even yeah. if we have more parties coming in because this dynamic will play itself out, and the strongest opposition party would get most of the votes anyway, right? Yeah. So the the number of parties will largely be determined by Workers Party and Progress Singapore Party. So you can say these are the they contest the most seats now, lah. If they can pass more seats and they squeeze the smaller opposition parties out, then the smaller opposition parties will uh, be re- have to retreat, right? Uh, and they they have to contest in less and less places, or they will decide not to contest at all. So the stronger Workers Party and PSP or SDP grows, uh, the smaller opposition parties will will, will okay. uh, decide to to drop out. Right. Okay. And so we're already you... kind of seeing that dynamic. I I I I agree. I agree. I think uh, the the presidential election I think was somewhat a turning point, even though people don't talk about it in terms of voter <clears throat> voter behavior. But I do think I am quite sure those who voted for Tan Cheng Bok, uh, sorry for Tan Ji Se, regret putting their vote with Tan Ji Se. I'm pretty sure, right? Because yeah. they they these are the people who definitely didn't want Tony Tan as president, right? And if mm-hmm. they had known the effect of their votes, they would have voted for Tan Cheng Bok. So, and even you know, yeah. Tan Cheng Lian also got a sizable number of he votes. He got he got four four plus percent. But his one is a bit more difficult to 
pinpoint, yeah. right? As in, it could yeah. be they could be people who would vote for Tony Tan, or he could but just even, have a large family, or yeah. <laughs> but even you see, if you say you give two thirds of Tankilian supporters yeah. to uh, Tan Cheng Bok and one third of Tankilian supporters to the PAP, uh, Tan Cheng Bok would have won, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably, probably, yeah. So okay, so. Uh, it's one hour already. So, just final question before you have any final thoughts. Uh, also, there's a comment should have had a runoff election. Well, that's not the system, right? We cannot change the rules after the <laughs> after the fact. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there there are definitely benefits to a runoff election. Uh, so, uh, the final question: Do you think, based on your study of opposition parties, do you think there's a chance for Dr. Chi Sun Juan? Uh, to become an uh, an elected member of parliament, do you think he has one more fight left in him? Uh, I think he has many fights in him. Oh, uh, I think he is a very resilient person. Uh, he has, you know, and he's still quite young, right? I think. Yeah, uh, relatively. I mean, young is relative, uh, right? <laughs> young is relative. Let, let me just. We are also quite young. <laughs> uh, let me see. He's nineteen sixty-two. Nineteen sixty-two. Yeah, so he's yeah, fifty-eight so 59, years old. Yeah, fifty-eight, fifty-nine. Fifty-nine. Yeah. Oh, his birthday is coming July. up soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Twenty July. So yeah. Uh, so, uh, so he. Let's say he has another ten years ahead of him. Right, he has a ten-year runway left um, and so you know i think within 10 years could he potentially win at smc sure why not why not right um i don't think the sdp the, the question is if he steps down like does sdp have another star to tambaya prof tambaya is is the well, they are already kind of co-stars ah so, right so assuming Professor Paul Tambia stays where he is and someone else takes over Dr. Chi. Is there anyone better in uh, SDP? You know, I'm not so sure. Mm. And I think if you ask ordinary Singaporeans, hey, you know, there's this party called Singapore Democratic Party. Uh, who are the top two, three leaders? They will say Paul Tambia, they say, say Xi Jinping, then they can't name anymore. Yeah. That would be my guess. I agree. Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, like it or not, uh, both Professor Paul Tambia and Dr. Chi are like the best hopes for SDP. Right. Um, and if Dr. Chi ever steps down, uh, then it'll be a real interesting question about whether SDP can survive. Right, right, right. So I've, I've always wondered about that because there is a school of thought which also says that actually SDP will become stronger without Dr. Chi. Uh, although I think I think you're right, he definitely. I mean, he's a fighter, right? For sure. Whether you like him, you don't like him, mm. you cannot deny his resilience. And uh, at least I think the forty-six percent showing gave him at least one. Uh, it should give him one more opportunity. I yeah. think. Yeah, forty-six yeah. percent is is uh, reasonable. I think so. There's a comment which is I don't see why Min Chong isn't a rising star. Well, a rising star is not the same as a as a household name. I think even Min would would agree that she is not. Well, uh, Min, a Min and name. I both come from uh, SMU, uh, and I think we were oh, kind was, of in the same same, same batch, year. Or? Oh, really? I think oh. around same batch. I think she and. Um, we may have been like in the same class together. Was she from Paul Science also? Or? Uh, I'm not sure whether she was Paul Science. Maybe Probably Sobo not. Science. Political scientists don't really become politicians, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. So I kind of little. Uh, my memory is failing me, but uh, I kind of remember Min from my SMU days. I'm not sure if she ah, remembers me at all. So she's um, coming on on Tetare. Early August, so I'll ask her whether okay. she remembers you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay if she doesn't remember me. I'm not worthy of Yeah, so, so but, I think Min is not at the level that uh, Elvin is talking about in terms of being a household name, right? Public profile, in yeah, terms of like public rhetoric, where experience. does she stand on certain issues? Exactly. We don't know. Exactly, we don't know. Yeah, so 
so yeah, so I I look forward to that conversation. So, uh, Elvin, is there are there any other thoughts you would like to share? You would like to get off your chest, and also you have a book uh, that will be published next year with University of Michigan Press. Am I right? Yes. You want to so... briefly talk about that? Yeah. Um, so in the forthcoming year, I will have a couple of publications out. Uh, so as Walid mentioned, I will have a book out with the University of Michigan Press next year, 2022. Uh, it will be on opposition alliances, forming opposition alliances. And that book compares uh, formation of opposition alliance between Malaysia and Singapore over 50 years. And also the formation of opposition alliance uh, in Philippines and South Korea in the 1980s. Oh. Uh, so for people who are really very interested in how opposition alliances form or do not form, uh, please look forward to that book. Um, I think further in the next couple of weeks, I also have a journal article out uh, in uh, party politics. Oh, congratulations. Uh, so that looks, thank you. So that looks at uh, the Malaysian... Uh, opposition alliance on how they campaign right, uh, in the 2018 elections. So as I mentioned to you, there are two parts, right? So first part is, you know, avoiding three corner fights. Second part is uh, can coordinating their campaign right. uh, with each other. So this uh, forthcoming article in party politics will be about the Malaysian opposition campaigning together with each other, which has okay. really been quite understudied. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Elvin, for, for all your insights today and for coming on and for waking up early Thanks, on a Sunday in New York. It's not, so it's not I, that early, la, now 11 already. <laughs> okay, okay, so I, I, I'm quite sure that all of us will be seeing more of you over the, over the next few years. And I just, you definitely will not be joining politics, right? Or is that a door that is open for you? Right. Well, one can never say no, and we don't know what will, what will, well, uh, how Singapore will be transformed in well, the next you're 10, already, 20 you're years. You're already answering like a politician already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can't predict. I, I would say I answer like a social scientist. Uh, we can't predict the future, and you know, I... Uh, we don't, we don't, don't I, I think don't underestimate how society can change Uh over the, over the medium to long term, especially in Singapore. I think we see, are seeing Absolutely. a lot of demographic changes. Absolutely. And, and um, I think you changes in political the, the attitudes. Change, you wouldn't see the, notice the change if you analyze it like day to day or over five or six months, right? But if you look at over 10 years, the discourses I've seen on Instagram in the final few, in the past few months, it's remarkable. I know for sure 10 years ago, this wouldn't have happened, right? Yeah, so mm. so who knows? So thank you so much. And it's Elvin. all thanks yeah. to people like you who are pushing the conversation. Oh, thank you so much. And just one final comment for everybody. It ain't coming home, so stop DMing me. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to your TikTok performance. <laughs> it ain't coming home, don't worry. Okay, good night. Good night, everybody. Okay. And good, good day, Elvin. Take thank care. You so much. Good night, everyone. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.